Open your Bibles tonight with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, our Focus 52 scripture this week. Thankful for our Focus 52 that we do together every week. It's an awesome opportunity for us to all be on the same page, studying the same things, and we appreciate uh, Sister St. Clair for putting that together week after week after week. And, amen. Let's go to verse 6. I want to start there. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth the seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Amen. You may be seated. The title of our Focus 52 this week is Thanks Be to God. And uh, our quote of the week is, Gratitude can transform common days into thanksgiving, turn routine jobs into joy, and change ordinary opportunities into blessings. I'm going to talk to us for a few minutes tonight about an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. Paul writes to the Galatians in 6 and 9 and he says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. In 2 Corinthians where we began tonight, Paul is is about to make his way into Jerusalem and he's trying to get folks ready because he's been bragging on them about their willingness to give and their willingness to, to minister to others. And so he sends Titus and, and a few brethren before him and he says to them, I want you to go and get the collection because when I get there, I don't want anything to be about me or about taking an offering. Come on now. Now don't get nervous. I'm not going to talk about money tonight. But I am going to talk about giving. Because I am convinced tonight that, that no matter what we go through... No matter what we face, no matter what circumstance or situation that we're in, if we have an attitude of gratitude, we'll get through it. 
there's an American cliche that goes something like this. Charity begins at home. Now, I want to say something right here to this church, and I, uh, you know I love this church, and I love the people of this church, and, and I believe it's the greatest church anywhere, but, but I, 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 want you, I want you to get what I'm about to say. I want you to take it in the spirit that I'm about to say it in because it's not with any malice or with any harm towards anyone But there are times that frequently the most difficult place to do good in the right spirit is in the church. (laughs) Just stay with me. Now, it may be because somehow we have misguided expectations that Christians shouldn't have such problems. Christians shouldn't be causing offenses. Don't get quiet on me here. Christians should know better than that. Christians ought to know better than to accuse someone's character than to attack somebody's personality. And so we find ourselves oftentimes, Paul addresses it to the Galatians, when he says, look, I know you're tired, but don't get weary in well-doing. Don't quit being thankful. Don't quit having an attitude of gratitude. Just remember that everything that you do to love somebody, to care for somebody, to give to someone, to give to the church, to bless someone, everything that you do, know and understand that it does not go unnoticed and that the hand of God will be upon you and will bless you in many ways. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. There's a lot of times that we find ourselves drawing back because we get weary. Anybody ever get tired of dealing with people? Let me ask that again. Anybody ever get tired of dealing with people? This this world has gone stark, raving mad. It's incredible the mindset and attitude of some people. And particularly when it comes to the things of God. They want to discount it, be critical of it, tear it down, but that does not allow us the opportunity 
to say, well, if that's the way you feel, I'm walking away. I'm not going to deal with you anymore. I'm not going to fool with you anymore. Watch now. Watch what Paul says. He said, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And especially unto those that are of the household of faith. You see, where we are tonight is right here. God has called the weak of this world. And we have brought our character and our weaknesses and our odd personality traits with us into the church. We see people in the church who are so depressed, it seems like they never have a bright day. Others whose cups are overflowing, you, 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 you think that they never have any troubles. You look at their lives and think, man, I sure would like to live in their world. You may not want to. And then there are those that you don't ever want to ask the question, how are you doing today? Those folks that are willing to dump anything on you. Come on, somebody. I, I, I want you to know tonight the sick, the poor, the foolish, the weak, the cynical, the stubborn, the critical, the cutting, the arrogant, the aggressive, the abrasive, the vain, the discouraged, the suspicious, the pompous, the hypocritical, the sarcastic, they're in the congregation. There's a cartoon character whose name was Pogo, and he said, one time we met the enemy, and they is us. Amen. God calls upon us, all of those identifying factors that I just gave you. God calls upon us, watch this now, to strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Say, well, Bishop, I, I don't know. Watch this now. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12 Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. What's what the writer says? He says, how you respond to circumstances and situations in your life will not only affect you, but it will affect those around you. So if 
when I'm going through a trial, I still have an attitude of gratitude because I'm thankful and I realize where I was before He found me and where I am today, even though I may be going through a trial, even though I may be going through a test, I'm a whole lot better today than I was yesterday because of the hand of the Lord that's brought me to where I am. Everybody say this with me. I'm not perfect. Thank you for being honest. None of us have this whole thing down. None of us have it all figured out. But I know this. Listen to me, church family. We are to open our hearts wide in listening and generously. Everybody say that word, generously. Give the benefit of knowledge and understanding and comfort and exhortation and inspiration and hope and encouragement. Watch this. From our experiences. Come on, is there anybody here that God's ever got you through? Is there anybody here that when you were in trouble, you held on to the hand of God and He got you through your circumstance and you got you through your situation? Come on. God said, I want my people to understand their attitude of gratitude will cause the sinner, will cause the wayfaring man, will cause those without direction to find their way to me. If my people will not grow weary in well-doing, there will be a reaping that takes place because we have an attitude of gratitude. In this time of year where a lot of folks take time to be thankful, we try to be thankful all the time. We try to do that. But I, I, wanna, I want this church to begin to develop... Um, a mindset and a culture that we, we understand that we're not here for us. We are to be there for them. Not as a know-it-all, but as, maybe this will help. Maybe, maybe this will help you get through. I, I want to ask you a few questions. Can we not be kinder in our evaluation of someone else's character? If we hear a derogatory story about a brother or sister, should, shouldn't we ask ourselves... If someone heard that story about me, would I not want them to disbelieve it until they searched it out and made sure that it was true? Listen to me here. 
Is there, is there not as much wickedness in believing a lie as in telling one? If we're always ready to believe derogatory stories about others, what does that say about our minds? It is hardly a kind attitude to take criticism of others and receive it into our spirit. I'm going to give you a little something right here. I mentioned this Sunday night in my message, but I'm going to give it to you in another way maybe. No slanderers would exist among us if no one received or believed slander. For when there is no demand for an article, no one will produce it. If we will not believe evil reports, the discouraged talebearer will leave off his evil trade and take it elsewhere. Well, Bishop, what if we're compelled by the facts to believe the report? Here you go. A kind person shows his kindness by not repeating it. He will reason to himself, though this thing is true and I'm very sorry, why should I spread it to others? It is our responsibility as Christians not to expose a brother further disgrace unless it is absolutely needful. Say, Bishop, what's that got to do with having an attitude of gratitude? I'm going to show you. You see, God's instruction to us is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a golden rule. You all remember that. And I don't think the way that, that some, the way some folks respond to certain circumstances is the way that they would want to be treated in that same circumstance. And so, what's that have to do with gratitude? Not in a, in a smug way, but we need to be thankful with an attitude of gratitude that God has afforded us the privilege and opportunity to take that soul to the throne of God and ask God to restore and to heal and to turn around and that we're not where they are. I'm not talking about being smug tonight, but I'm talking about God, thank you for not allowing me to walk down that pathway and help me, God, to be thankful enough to bring them to you so that you can restore them. God says, as we have the opportunity, 
let us do good to all men. Watch, here it is. We like to pick and choose, but that's not what God said. He said regardless of their station in life, regardless of whether they're in the church, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all men. His only modification is that our brethren in the church have a higher claim on our resources. Everybody get that? That means that your brother and sister deserve your greatest attention and your noblest of efforts. You see, if we ever get that totally in the church to where there's an attitude of gratitude that we're all in the church together, no, we're not all alike. We don't all think the same. We're not a bunch of robots. There are many things that we have in common when it comes to the gospel and to uh, 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 traditions and to the things that our ministry teaches us. There are many things there, but we're not all the same. But when we come to the understanding that we're all one body, members in particular, and our goal and purpose in being here is to have an attitude of gratitude that, hey, I'm in the body of Christ and I want to help my brother. I want to help my sister. I don't want to do anything to tear them down, to push them away. Come on, somebody. But I want to do everything that I can to help them be saved. You've heard me say this for years. The church will never be destroyed from the outside. I don't believe it. If the church is ever destroyed, it'll be from the inside out. But with an attitude of gratitude, we won't let that happen. When we walk into this place and we look around and we say, God, I thank you. I thank you because you've let me come to this church. I thank you, God, because you put me in the body of Christ. I thank you, God, because you let me carry your name and you filled me with your spirit and you give me new mercy every day. I thank you, God, because I'm not what I was. There is an attitude... There's an attitude sometimes that creeps in that we got to be very careful about it's an attitude that says I deserve better I deserve better we see watch listen to me we see how much we lack as opposed to how much we have I told you I, I think I told you the other day the little story about the little homeless guy that I drove through, maybe I didn't tell you. I, I, I drove through Burger King the other morning and they had bacon, egg, and cheese croissants, two for $4. So I, it was a bargain. I got two of them. <laughs> and so I pulled out of the 
restaurant and looked over there, coming in to pay less there. Little old man pushing his little shopping cart. And uh, it was cold. He had probably everything that he owned in the world in that shopping cart. It was cold. I'm telling you, it was cold. So I didn't need that second croissant. I reached in that bag and rolled down my window. I said, here, man, here's your sandwich. Instead of saying thank you, you know what he said? Could I get a cup of coffee or a drink with that? Now, that didn't make me regret giving him a croissant. But I tell you what it did. It made me thankful that I was on the inside able to reach through that window and give that man something to eat instead of being on the outside waiting for somebody to hand me something out of the window. You say, does that make you better than him? No, I'm blessed. I'm not better than him. I'm just blessed. I'm telling you that I'm blessed. I want you to realize something. You may not have everything. You might not live in the finest home. You might not drive the greatest of cars. But if you've got one, you got one. If you got a house, you got one. Come on, somebody. You may not wear, wear the best of clothes, but if you got clothes, you got clothes. We need to have an attitude of gratitude that says, God, uh, I've got exactly what you want me to have. How do I know that? Because the Word of God said He would supply all my needs according to His riches which are in glory. So I know, Sister Lorianne, I've got everything I need. It may not be everything I want, but I've got everything I need. I wish somebody thank Him tonight. How many of us really thank God for what we have and what He's doing to shape us and create us in His image? How many times God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. You need anything else to be thankful for? Let let me read that again. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created, in the image of God created he him Male and female created he them. I'm going to ask you a little question here. How many of us thank him for every breath we take and every action he takes on our behalf? I told my brother a while ago, going through a little trial and Bible makes us to understand something about God. 
If you need something to be grateful for, if you need something to have an attitude of gratitude about tonight, let me help you right now. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Do you hear me right now? I'm telling you that you're blessed. And the Bible said there's nothing, no other requirement needed but this. The psalmist said, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Come on, if you need something to be thankful for, just take a deep breath. Throw your hands up in the air and say, Lord, I thank you because I'm breathing. Come on, somebody. Some of you that have gone through cuss word 19, you're really thankful to be breathing. I'm telling you, we're blessed. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. We, 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 need, we need to pray. Pray for the ill among us. God not only hears our prayers, but he frequently acts upon them. Giving the afflicted strength and healing. Do we sound His praises and thank Him with the same fervor in which we requested His aid? What do you mean, Bishop? I'm talking about when you were pleading with God because you needed something desperately and He supplied that. Do you with the same fervor Give him praise and thanks for being a prayer answering God. Or do you just go on and say, well, I had that coming. I deserve that. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about an attitude of gratitude. If you walk around with an attitude of gratitude, you'll find yourself not getting in trouble with God. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 16, there was a man named Korah. Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men and they rose up before Moses. Now, if you look at the text, the word men is written in italics in your Bible. Translators not knowing what to do with the verb took at the end of the clause supplied it to finish the thought. Men is plural, but took is in the singular. So it cannot apply to all these men. Took expresses the action of a singular subject of the sentence, Korah. Korah takes both Dothan and Abiram. Interestingly enough, the, the uh, uh, New American Standard Version renders it like this. Korah took action. 
Now, I'm going to share a little something with you. We're talking about the men that God had separated out to be the priest over his tabernacle. Wasn't that enough? Apparently not. Because they wanted a little more. You know, it's amazing to me how sometimes in our relationship with God that we can't just understand that God has us where he has us for a reason. And until we take care of that, he's not going to move us forward or promote us any further. For years, for years, pastoring a church, for years I would would ask God, God, would you please let us have growth? Would you please let us have harvest? Would you please fill up this church only to have God say, I need you to take care of what you have before I can give you more to take care of. Anybody with me right now? Listen, I'm going to get off on money just a minute here. If you can't pay tithe on $50, God's not going to give you $500. Come on, somebody. If you can't give God a tenth of your time, come on, somebody. God's not going to give you His time. I was headed in the right direction there. I'm talking about an attitude of gratitude. We've got to understand that God requires something of us. But God has us where he wants us right now. And until God's ready for us to move somewhere else, our hands need to go in the air. Our voices need to be lifted. We need to have an attitude of gratitude that God, I thank you because I'm right here where I'm at. So you know the story, I won't take a lot of time there, but Corin, those that he had around him, rebelled against the man of God. They, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, watch this now. You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? I got into a little social media conversation this week. I know y'all can't believe that. But I want you to listen to me right here. My post said that your pastor does not owe you his friendship. He owes you his leadership. And of course, the little cuties on social media. Oh, does that mean that the preacher is better than the people? Listen, listen, listen. Thank you, brother. Listen to me right here. Somebody's got to be the chief. And somebody's got to be the engines. Now in God's eyes, you and I are on the same level. Watch me right here. 
But the Bible is adamant about there being leadership in the church and authority in the church. Come on, somebody. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be friendly with you. But I'm, I'm just going to ask you a little question. You don't have to answer. Because I've experienced this personally, so I know what I'm talking about here. Let's just say. Now, Brother Haney, I know it's, this, ain't, this ain't you, but I'm going to use you because you're a pretty easy guy to get along with. Let, let, let's just say, Brother Haney has a problem with uh, Brother McClain. He's way over there. Okay? So, I befriend Brother McClain. He becomes my buddy. And you got problems with him. And he's got problems with you. And you walk in one day and you see me sitting at the table with Brother McClain. That's why pastors can't have best friends in the church. It's not that we don't love you. It's not that we don't want you to be our friend. But you've got to understand something. There is a separation line that has to be. God sent Moses to the mountain. He didn't send Korah. God said, Moses, I want you to come up here and talk to me. Come on, somebody. But know this, that when he climbed that mountain, he had the responsibility of all of Israel on his shoulders. He was about to hear from God. And get the law from God that he would bring down the mountain. But there's always somebody in the bunch that has lost their attitude of gratitude. Like Korah did. Who do you think you are? Do you think you take too much upon yourself? Don't you think there's some other folk here that are holy? Of course we think there's other folks here that are holy. But somebody's got to be the man that wants and is willing to go into the presence of the Lord and hear the mind of God for the people of God. It's only, I'm going to move on because I'm about to quit, but it's only an example of a person who's dissatisfied with what he has and he stirs up others because of his ingratitude for what God has given him already the consequences of Korah's taking action are clear God destroyed all those who rose up against Moses and Aaron it's an age old oft repeated sin of pride manifesting itself in ingratitude. Satan did the same thing. It wasn't enough for him to be the covering cherub of God's throne. It wasn't enough to have lordship over the earth and one-third of the angels. 
No, he wanted to resemble and compare, be compared to the most high God. And he wanted to go to war with God. And it was a battle that he soundly lost. And let me just clue you in if you didn't know. Fighting God is a losing battle. And then finally tonight as I, as I come to a close. I, I, I want to talk just a minute about Paul in, in Philippi. In Acts chapter 16. It's a clear example of what God expects from us. As the chapter opens, Paul and his companions are traveling through the cities of Asia Minor delivering the word of God. I touched on this a little bit Sunday night, so I won't stay here long. But Paul has a vision in which a Macedonian pleads him, come over to Macedonia. It's a Roman province that lays north of Greece. And Paul began preaching first to those there, the Bible said, who kept the Sabbath. And Lydia becomes his first convert. And he seemed to be making great progress. But then there was a woman. I'm not going to say much about that. But there was a woman who had a spirit of divination. And she was following along thinking somehow that her stamp of approval on Paul and his ministry, she was using it for gain. And Paul recognized the spirit and he cast it out. And so Paul broke the bank for those men that were using this woman for gain. Man, when you start messing with folks' finances, you're going to have a fight on your hands. But watch what happens. They throw him into prison. And I said this the other day, the other night, but they throw him into prison. And there were all kinds of folks around him, but Silas got picked too. How did Silas end up in the mix? But they threw him in jail. You know the story. I, I won't belabor the point. But at midnight, beaten, distressed, rejected, hurt. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. And because they prayed and sang praises, the earth shook, the chains fell off, the doors opened. It was an attitude of gratitude that, that caused the jailer's family to be saved. What, what, what are you, where, are you, where are you going, Bishop? I'm trying to tell you tonight... That your attitude in circumstances and situations will determine not only your direction, but the direction of those around you. An attitude of gratitude that says, thank you, Lord. I, I, I don't understand why I'm here, but I thank you because I know that your hand is upon me. Gratitude is a gift. Gratitude is a gift. When we decide whether or not we're going to have an attitude of gratitude, we're going to have to make up our mind, will we just thank God 
when we think he deserves it or will we thank him always? We need to make it a sincere habit to thank God fervently every day for all his benefits. We need, listen, listen, I, I, I don't, I don't like, I, I don't like griping folks. They're always complaining. I've been one of those. I worked in a factory for, for about 12 and a half years. And uh, I made more money in that factory than I ever made in my whole life. But at the end of a 12-hour day, I was complaining about my bosses. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm thankful that I got to work 12 hours today. I was complaining about those that were providing a way. It's why our country's so messed up today. Our country's so messed up. Folks have been so used to giving or to getting without giving. Are you with me right here? Let me say it again. They're, they've been so used to getting without giving. Having without it costing them anything. That now they expect that to happen. It's why every business that you pass in this city, in every city, everywhere, every window has, we need help. Hiring. Whoever thought that you'd make $15 an hour working at McDonald's? There's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, but whoever thought you'd make $15 an hour working at Taco Bell? Come on, somebody. They need to hire a bunch of them at Taco Bell. You don't even know if they're open or closed. Come on, somebody. I, I got sidetracked there. I'm talking about food again. What, what, do you, what do you mean, Bishop? I mean this. We need to be thankful and have an attitude of gratitude no matter what or where we're going through. Ingratitude, whether it's passive or active, it's a tool that Satan uses to recruit us to join him against God's family. Woo. If pastor were here, you know what he'd be saying right now. You hear that? By that means... We can allow him to plant us, the devil that is, as a tear. T-A-R-E. As a tear in the field and spread our ingratitude. Or on the other hand, a constant attitude of praiseful thanksgiving. No matter what the circumstances, is a gift 
of God to us. Stand with me. Gratitude. Gratitude spreads a healing balm among those with whom we fellowship. And it will speed us on the path to God's kingdom. An attitude of gratitude. Not always trying to drag folks down, but trying to lift them up. It will make a difference in the church. And it will make a difference in the world. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. God, help us to be thankful. Help us to have an attitude of gratitude. God, you've been so good to us. You've blessed us in so many ways. You've brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light. You set our feet upon a solid rock. You placed us in the church. You've given us your name. You've filled us with your spirit. God, your mercies are fresh every day. And we're grateful, God, for all that you do. Help us to remain with an attitude of gratitude in Jesus' name.